Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to pull them out or scroll in your devices. We'll be in, I want to read you an Easter story. Would that, would that be okay? A resurrection story? Would I be okay if I read one of those this morning? I, I had mentioned that we're launching a new uh, sermon series today on the invitations of Jesus, uh, but I think we need to read a resurrection story first. So would you stand with me? Um, we'll be in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter. As you're flipping there, uh, <clears throat> every Easter, somebody comes up and says, now, you know, Dave, this is kind of like your Super Bowl Sunday, which is, you know, it kind of puts a little pressure on the Easter message. But I make you one promise. I won't throw the ball from the one-yard line with a minute left. <clears throat> I'll hand the ball off to Jesus and let him finish the deal. How about that? So Matthew, chapter 28, this is his resurrection account, starting in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. When the angel spoke to the woman, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here.'" He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women turned, ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So word of the Lord. We say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. There's lots of uh, imagery in this passage that, that we could talk about. Uh, only some of it we can uh, get to and in our time frame this morning, but right off the bat, did you notice how the story began? It said, uh, it started with the word early. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, the women went out to the tomb. Early on Sunday morning. This is crack of dawn early. This is not after you make a pan of cinnamon rolls and have scrambled eggs and bacon and stop by Starbucks for a cup of coffee. This is crack of dawn early. We need, we need to get after our business here. Uh, how many of you are, any of you early risers, you morning folk? You know, you do make a whole bunch of people sick. <laughs> I'm just saying. I would fall into the early riser category myself. Um, early, Sunday morning, the women get up and they rush out to the tomb. And I imagine 
that after witnessing the horror and devastation on Friday, that Saturday, Saturday must have felt like an eternity to Jesus' disciples. I imagine Saturday was filled with silence and weeping, crying, wondering, questioning, doubting. I, I don't know as if many words would have been spoken on, on Saturday. I think, I think these people would still have been in a fair amount of, of shock. But these women, they get up early. They had a job to do. There, there were details that they needed to attend to. Jesus' body was hastily taken off the cross and, and put in the tomb. And they didn't get to put all of the spices and bury him, bury him correctly. But it was the Sabbath, and they couldn't. So all Saturday, I imagine that they're, they're just, you know, wringing their hands. There's all of these details that accompany, that go along with death. And we haven't been able to do any of them, and we're going to feel a little bit anxious, like it's not, closure hasn't been met yet. We haven't found that. And so all Saturday, I imagine they're thinking of these details, and the Gospel of Mark says that, that as the Sabbath ended on Saturday night, they, they could go out and they bought a whole bunch of spices, the things that you would properly put on, on a body and, and prepare it. And, and as they couldn't go out Saturday night because it was already dark outside, so they had to wait until morning light. So all of these details that needed tending to, and, and they're just waiting, waiting for the light. Do you, do you like waiting? I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of waiting so much. Has, has anyone ever told you to wait and see? You know that phraseology? Parents are famous for saying, wait and see. Where are we going? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. What'd you get me for Christmas? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. What's for dinner? I don't know. You're going to have to wait and see. I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of the wait and see approach. Now, I'll have to be honest, as a parent, I've, I've used that. Uh, it's a parental trick to build suspense and excitement in our kids, right? You'll have to wait and see. I looked, at, I looked up the phrase. The dictionary.com actually has a definition for the phrase, wait and see, and it, it means to bide one's time for events to run their course, as in, do you think they'll raise taxes? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Something about, something about this saying just suggests that we should be patient while we wait and see. Now, I don't, I'm usually a, a fairly patient person, but on occasion, patience runs out, and wait and see, that's just a little difficult. That's a hard pill to swallow. We, we live in this now, ever-present world, and, and Patience is hard to come by in our world. When we want something, we want it now. That's the reality we live in. And this word wait that we come upon, uh, it seems, well, the word wait just kind of seems like stop or pause. 
It's like the railroad crossing arm that comes out down just as you're approaching the, the railroad tracks. And now, oh my goodness, I'm going to be inconvenienced for 45 seconds. Or it's like you, you're, you have your cart full of groceries and you get up and, oh my goodness, look at the line and there's only one checkout person. Wait, stop, pause. It's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? I was traveling recently, so I was uh, sitting in the airport, and I had the chance to talk to two ladies who had been waiting around the airport for nearly 24 hours. They were the victims of a canceled flight, and they were just trying to get home. That's all they want to do. They had been on vacation. They're just trying to get home and have a good night's sleep in their own bed. Flight was canceled. Well, they had been automatically rebooked on the same flight 24 hours later, but instead of leaving the airport and finding a hotel room, they decided that they would wait around the airport and, and go to every gate for flights that could move them in the direction. So that they would, you know, the flights were mostly full, but there is a chance you fly standby that we could get you on a plane a little bit earlier. So they've been waiting around the airport for a long time. I was also delayed, victim of a canceled flight, and like I said, I'm not a big fan of waiting, so I have five extra hours to kill in the airport. So I was sitting there at the gate, Alaska Airlines, all the terminals are, the, you know, the counters are right here, and, and these ladies weren't sitting too far from me, and every time a flight would go out and come up on the board, and, and they would get all their stuff, and they would move their way up in line, and you know, everybody would file onto the plane, and you could just see the hope and the anticipation on their face, like, maybe this is the flight where they're going to call out our name, and we can just get home. Flight after flight, and the shoulders droop, and oh, we got to move all our stuff back over and, and sit down. They had to wait and see if there was a seat available. I, I don't like waiting very much wait and see. But it's not just about surprises and canceled flights. Wait and see is about medical reports. It's about wondering if the treatment that we've been going through will, will actually work. It's about waiting for the verdict. It's about wondering if our kids will come back around. It's about walking through life with friends who are struggling with some kind of an addiction. It's about wondering uh, if love that was once so strong but, but now has grown cold, if, if it's about wondering if that, that love will ever be rekindled. Sometimes, sometimes we just feel helpless in a wait-and-see world where there's not too much that we can do except wait and see I think of my friend Carla. She had to wait and see. She had been diagnosed with a real aggressive kind of cancer. And the doctor, doctors just put her through all sorts of tests. None of them had immediate results, so we had to wait and see what they had to say. She went through some really rigorous treatments 
that almost wiped her out. We weren't sure if, if they were going to work, so, so we had to wait, we had to see. We prayed fervently around her and her family, and well, we, we didn't know if, how or when or God would answer that prayer. We, we, had to, we had to wait and see. I think of some, some other godly friends of ours who, who had to watch as their son chose to walk out on his family. And he was searching for happiness in the arms of another woman, pleading, counseling, praying. But they had to wait and see if he would come back. Kids wondering, does dad, does dad still love me? I don't know, kids. You have to wait and see. Wait, wait and see doesn't seem like an answer that, that cuts it in times like these. I need something that has a little more edge to it than wait and see. I need something more than, than this strategy. And so on Easter, we, our attention is drawn elsewhere to a tomb that was found empty long ago. And there's a connection between the resurrection story that that we read in Matthew and and another story that that I want to read here for you in just a minute. The the resurrection stories are are a confirmation that that everything that was said about Jesus and everything that Jesus taught and said about Himself are true. And the language that that Matthew uses in the passage that we read, it reminds me of, of Jesus' very first words in the Gospel of John. In this account that we read in Matthew, the, the women get to the tomb and they're, they're expecting to uh, prepare Jesus' body. And, and they know that there's a, a huge stone that's been placed in front of this tomb. And they're probably wondering, how are we going to move that stone to get to Jesus' body? But there was an earthquake, says Matthew. A shaking of the ground as an angel of the Lord with a shining face and clothes that are just brilliant white came down and rolled that stone away. Now, the angel rolled the stone away not to let Jesus out, but to let the witnesses in to to see that God had already vindicated Jesus, that, that God had already raised Jesus from the dead, and He was no longer there. Matthew says that the guards shook with fear and they fainted. And the angel speaks to the women and says, don't be afraid, okay? I know you're looking for Jesus, but He's risen from the dead, and He checked out already. Come and see, come and see where His body was lying, and then quickly go and tell the disciples this news. So they turn, and they run from that tomb, and they are afraid. They run in fear, but also in great joy. And as they are going, they run into Jesus, and they fall at His feet, and they worship Him. And He says, go tell my brothers this good news. Go tell my brothers to meet me in Galilee. Did you notice some of the language in in that story? The language is, come and see. It's not wait and see. 
These ladies were given the fast pass to the, to the front of the line. There's no waiting. You can come and witness right now. You can see that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Come and see. They were invited into the tomb. They were invited into the story. They were invited into new life. If you have your Bibles, uh, flip over to the Gospel of John in the first chapter. John gives us these words. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. John continues, he said, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around, saw them following, and Jesus says, What do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, said Jesus. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. John bears witness to Jesus. John points his disciples in Jesus' direction. He says, look, that's the Lamb of God. He is the one who will take away the sin of the world. It was a way for John to say, He is the one who is the long-awaited Savior, the long-awaited Messiah that we have been searching for, waiting for, praying for, expecting. And John would know this. Over in Matthew uh, chapter 3, when he baptized Jesus, uh, he witnessed the sky ripping open and the Spirit descending down on Jesus like a dove. And he was there and he heard the voice of God say, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. John was a witness. And he, he points his disciples in the right direction. And so partway through his, his little sermon here, some of his congregation, well, they get up and they start following Jesus. Now, they trust John, they know John, they trust what he says, and, and he's just pointed to the person that they've been waiting for for centuries. 
the, the one who will bring completion, the one who will bring restoration, the one who will bring justice. So two of John's disciples, well, they, they peel off and they want to get a closer look at this Jesus person, this guy who their master, their teacher said, no, he's, he's the guy. So they start following him. And they, along the way, somehow, I, I imagine this is kind of a comical scene. They're, they're following Jesus, and at some point, Jesus notices they're there, and he turns, and he's like, what do you want? What are you, what are you seeking? And they're, they're caught in one of those moments. You know, like when you're staring at somebody, and, and you catch their, their glance, you, you lock eyes, and you're like, oh, no, and you look away quickly. They're, they're caught in one of those kind of moments. What they didn't realize was they're looking for Jesus, but Jesus is also looking for them. He calls them out and he's, what do you want? Everybody's looking for something. Everyone is searching for something. What what are you searching for? Is it success, achievement? Love, acceptance, money, freedom. Have you ever wondered and asked yourself, what would I be willing to do? Who would I be willing to follow to to get those things? And do these things really fill me up? Or or when I achieve some of this, is there still an, an empty longing sense deep within me? Might I suggest that You're chasing these things because of a much deeper need, a much deeper longing in your life. Maybe the emptiness that that you feel inside is is the longing for a relationship with your Creator, for, for the one who will never leave you or forsake you. See, God remains faithful to us even when we prove to be faithless. Maybe it's a Savior you're longing for. Maybe it's time to give Jesus a closer look. That's what these two disciples were doing. They heard the witness of John. He knew that they were searching for something deeper than what he himself could give them, and he points out the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world, and they peel off and they follow Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want? And all they can muster, all that they can come up, they don't say, uh, Jesus, can we have your autograph? No, it was, it's not one of those celebrity moments. They, they don't say, what's the meaning of life? They don't even say, are you the Messiah? Direct question. No, they say, Jesus, what's your address? Where are you staying? Does that seem peculiar to you? That just seems like an odd question to ask. Jesus, where, where are you staying? Did you hear Jesus' answer? Jesus doesn't answer, well, you're going to have to wait and see. No. Jesus says, come and see. Come. I'll show you where I'm staying. Jesus invites them into an experience. There's no waiting. Come and see. 
And come and see is so much different than wait and see. Come and see is an invitation in to try something. It's like when you go to Costco or grocery stores and they have all of those samples out and you can try before you buy. One of my favorite slogans from a company, there's a, there's a, a deli, it's called Heavenly Ham. They do honey-baked hams. And you can spend all sorts of money in advertising and have fancy slogans, but they're what they told their employees is just get the ham in people's mouths. It doesn't matter how much we spend on advertising. All we need to do is get the ham in people's mouths. And they'll be locked in as customers. Jesus says, come and see. Come and experience life with me. I love this. You often hear the language that suggests that we, that we need to invite Jesus into our lives. And I'm sorry, but I think that's a little bit backwards because Jesus has clearly invited us to participate in His life, and it's our opportunity to accept or reject that invitation. The invitation is on the table. Come and see. Come and experience. Come and participate in my life. This is Jesus' first invitation to come and see. And becoming a follower of Jesus always, always begins with a come and see experience where you have a personal experience of the resurrection uh, of Jesus and the new life that he can give to you. If you notice the order of the words, it says come and see. In other words, come as you are. You don't need to know anything. There's not a bunch of things that you need to learn first. You don't have to pass a Bible knowledge exam. There's not a, a theological terminology quiz before following Jesus or coming to see and experience life with Him. There's no religious hoops that you have to jump through before you can have a come and see experience with Jesus. No, you just, you just need to be willing to come along. You don't, you don't even necessarily have to believe or agree with Jesus. Jesus says, when they ask, where are you staying? He just says, come and find out for yourself. You don't have to have your life all cleaned up. Jesus didn't put any requirements on Andrew and his friend. He didn't, when they said, where are you staying? He didn't give them a, he didn't give them a map quest answer of, you know, you go down this street and you take a left and then you take a right. And he, he didn't give them landmarks. He didn't give them an explanation of where he was staying. He just said, come and see where I'm staying. Do you have questions? Are, are you at all curious about this Jesus person? Jesus turns and he asks each of us, what are, you, what are you seeking? What are you searching for? Come, come and see life with me. Come, come and experience. That's all. That's how it begins. 
John says they followed Jesus. They took him up on this. You ever wonder, what, what did they go see? It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Scholars say, well, it could have been that they were there till oh, nine or ten o'clock at night, but it also could be that, that they followed Jesus and stayed with him the whole weekend because it was sundown. We don't know. Was Jesus explaining his teachings in a logical way? Was he engaged in intense prayer? Was Jesus just, you know, chilling out on the hammock and resting and was he practicing hospitality? Was he cooking for them? Who knows? We don't, we don't know. What we do know is that when Andrew left that experience, he was anxious to get home and tell Simon Peter about it and say, we have found the Messiah. you got to come have this experience. Come and see. We have found the Messiah. Yeah, but pastor, I have a hard time with hypocrisy. I have a hard time with, well, I just have a difficult time with some of the things uh, that the people who call themselves Christians say and do. I would say, me too. Uh, I understand that reservation. I understand that objection. I don't know if I want to come and see this Jesus person because I don't, there's some th things I've seen and heard and people have been treated badly that I just, I can't, I can't go there. I, I know. That's not Jesus. Hypocrisy, bigotry, mean-spiritedness, those are human issues. Those are human flaws. That is human sin. It's not Jesus. I know that there's lots of yeah, buts. There's lots of hesitancies. There's lots of objections to having an experience with Jesus. See, we all have sin in our lives. We're all works in progress. Don't, don't give up on Jesus or ignore Jesus because of these kinds of things. It doesn't represent Him well. He came to help us through those things. He came to forgive us for those things and learn a better, more loving way of living amongst each other. Come and see, he says. Stay with me for a while. Jesus, in his teaching, he says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened. I will be the one who gives rest. I'll forgive you. I'll restore you. I will teach you to walk in my ways. My burden is light. Just come and see. Jesus invites you to come and see. Come and see what he's up to in the world. It's probably radically different than what you'll see reported on the news and, and the things that you hear Jesus accused of. I'd invite you just to come and see what Jesus is doing in and through the ministry of, of our local congregation. The ways in which we reach out into the community through auto care and mops and, and supporting Love, Inc., who, uh, who gives critical, and, critical uh, aid to people who have acute need with utilities and food and, and other sorts of things. There are ways that Jesus is just reaching out with His love 
through his people into our community, I'd invite you just to come and see what his followers are doing. I think about Linda. She's a lady in our community who I've never personally met face-to-face, but she calls me probably five or six times a year. And she just wants to talk to somebody. She wants to unload her burden on somebody who she knows who cares and will pray for her and will journey with her. So she'll bring me up to speed on the latest in her life, and, and we'll talk for a while, and, and I get the privilege of praying for her and, and giving her some, some words of encouragement. And every time that we close the phone call, I invite her to church. You know, Linda, we'd love to have you on Sunday morning. Why, why don't you come see what following Jesus is all about? Come experience Him through the worship of this community. And she usually always asks a question kind of like, I could come to your church? I think that's her way of saying, I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm ashamed of the mess that my life, that I've made of my life, and I'm just worried that other people won't accept me. I'm worried about what other people might think. See, she, deep down, she thinks that she needs to have all of her life put back together and all in order, and she needs to be all cleaned up and tidy before she presents herself to Jesus. Jesus, he doesn't put that requirement on anybody. He just says, come as you are. Come and see. Come experience new life with me. See, Linda's searching for Messiah. Jesus says to her, come and see. There's no waiting. There's no wait and see about this. And when you say yes and you say, you know what, I'm going to hang out with Jesus for a while and just see what this is all about, it doesn't mean that your problems are going to go away and everything becomes rosy in your life. But I do know from personal experience that, that you can find fulfillment in Him, that He will satisfy those deepest longings that you have in your life, that He will help you discover a joy that you have never known before, that He will help you discover new meaning in your life. See, in, in Jesus, there is there's hope for the hurting, in Jesus, there is, there is love for those who feel unloved. There is rest for those of us who feel weary and heavy burdened. There's forgiveness for all of us of our sin. So when Jesus turns to Andrew and, and his friend, and they say, where are you staying? Jesus says, Come, come and see. It's a question to them, but that's a question, statement that is posed to all of us, 
He's inviting you into his walk. He's inviting you into his life. Don't, don't assume that you know. Don't take my word for it or your friend's word for it. Find out for yourself. I don't know, are these words that you need to hear today? These are, these are resurrection words. These are invitational words. They are Jesus' words, and He says to you, not wait and see, come and see. Come and see. Would you stand as we pray? Lord, we are gathered here uh, on Resurrection Sunday. It, it's one of those dates that we circle on our calendars and we think about and we prepare for and, and then all of a sudden it's, it's here. But what a reminder it is for us that, that you you cared enough about us, that you loved us so much that you would be willing to go to the cross and, and to die for our sins. That all throughout your ministry, you, you walked with your disciples and, and you taught them how to live a better way. You taught them how to love even enemies, to pray for even people who hurt us. You taught that your kingdom may look a little bit different than what we might be expecting. That we might want a, a kingdom that exerts power and authority. But your power looks a little different. You, you, you find your power in weakness. You humbled yourself that the meek shall inherit the earth. That it's the servant's who will be glorified in your kingdom. Lord, we just are thankful for this gift. And Lord, I just pray for each person who is here. Each in our own way, whether we have been a Christian for 10 years, 15, 20, 30, 50 years, or maybe we're just at the point of we're, we're not sure yet who you are. But to each of us, you still beckon us to come and see. You still have that invitation on the table to come and experience life with you. So this morning, I just pray that each of us, in our own way, would respond to that invitation. That we would humble ourselves and get by our own pride and agendas. And we would just follow after you and accept that invitation to come and to see. Lord, I know there's hurt and brokenness and need 
in our community. And Lord, I just ask that you would pour out your blessings upon us. That you would work in each of our situations that whether the answer is yes or the answer is no, that we would feel your presence. That we would know that each step of the journey that, that you walk with us. Father, as we go from this place in a few minutes, I pray that we would be beacons of light, of your love in this community, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to be bold and stand up for you. For you hung on the cross and stood up for us. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.